والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين سيدنا وحبيبنا وسندنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد وندع علماء respected elders, brothers, mothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته as this beautiful month of Ramadan comes to a close. Al-Wada'u, Al-Wada'u, Ya Shahra Ramadan. And as we experience the last Jumu'ah of this auspicious month, of this month that we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses with us yet another month like this and many months like this to come in the future for us to take benefit and try and draw from the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are certain points of reflection that we need to consider during this last Jumu'ah in order for us to try and continue the trend throughout the year. So let's ask ourselves a few questions. Firstly, was I able to perform my five salawat during this month of Ramadan? Fajr, Dhuhr, Maghrib, Asr, Maghrib and Isha. Was I able to recite abundant Qur'an? And abundant relative to each person. So a person, one person's abundant can be one page because maybe they weren't reciting Quran at all throughout the year. Another person's term of abundant could mean an entire juz a day or maybe two or three or four juz a day. Was I able to refrain from doing any haram acts? And was I able to just be an overall good Muslim? If our answer to these questions is yes, then glad tidings be unto us. May Allah make us among those who have been forgiven during this month. But what do we do to continue? If our answer was no, then we need to have some spiritual treatment for our souls. Pause and think for a moment what stops us from becoming Ramadani Muslims throughout the year. What is holding us back? And if I were to ask this entire gathering that what do you think, what do you think, what do we all think, that what holds us back from being Ramadani Muslims? It's a term that I coined right now, I haven't seen it anywhere, but what stops us from being a Ramadani Muslim throughout the year? Then I'll get different responses. Each of those responses will boil down to one overwhelming fact. And that is focus. Where is this in life? The center of the world is the Kaaba Musharrafa. As mentioned by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as today, geographers would even tell you the same thing. That the center of the world is the Kaaba. It is a point of worship for the believer. It itself is not being worshipped. Rather, it is representing as-siratul mustaqim that one guided path to allah's pleasure that just like how when it comes to our qibla of facing the kaaba there's no alternative a person can't say okay the imam is facing this way today let's face toward the side for the next salah and let's face toward the back for the following salah and let's change it up a bit no the qibla is one the direction is one similarly this special path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's obedience shares no alternative. So where does our focus go? And I bring you to a verse that we just recited 
a few nights ago in Taraweeh Salah in Surah Al-Hadid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of the stages of the human life. Five stages of a person's life a person regularly goes through. Mufti Shafi rahimahullah, writes under the commentary of this verse that when a man goes through a particular phase of life, he feels satisfied with it. When a person goes through any of these phases of life, phases of life, he feels, he or she feels very satisfied with it. But the minute that phase is over, he realizes or she realizes its absurdity and hollowness and he takes or she takes to the next phase. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, La'ib, you have the phase of play, which is generally what children would do. It's something that is futile, it doesn't really hold any weight. And at that time, that is the be all and end all for that little child, for that toddler. Where if a person were to take away the toy that he or she is playing with, then they'll become so aggrieved as if, like it's the grown man who has just lost all his wealth or his property is being usurped. That will be what the toddler is feeling. So the minute the toddler grows out of that phase, then you look at the toy and the toddler feels, this is nonsense, it's absurd. And they move on to lahu, something for enjoyment, maybe it might be a sport, it might be some sort of trend at the time. And then you move to That you have the stage and this phase of life where it becomes all about ragging to the next person of what we are doing today. Things are done merely to show off to the world. Let's introspect and see where we are today with our selfies and our Insta posts. The craze of following the latest trends, visiting various destinations, eating out of famed restaurants. You know, there was a brother in I'tikaf who shared with me something remarkable about the plastic life that is being led in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates. How it's all just about who we can show off to, what we are enjoying at the time. That there's actually a term that goes around in the country and perhaps it's even everywhere else. That a restaurant gains fame because of how many Instagram posts people have posted regarding of being at that restaurant. That the minute you're at the entrance of that restaurant, it's a selfie, look where I am, the food, look at the dish I'm eating. So whether the food tastes, that doesn't matter. As long as it's on Instagram, as long as it's trending, as long as it has that many hashtags. And this is going to bring me to the point where it will come to our country and it will hit home that you have restaurants that serve alcohol and there's these aspects of haram friendly nature no i did not make a mistake i just thought of it for a little while the term is halal friendly everyone knows it as halal friendly but something thought uh, came to me that the person who is serving that particular dish in the restaurant and that is serving alcohol at the same time. They are trying to cater, Allahu A'lam whether it is true or not, but they are trying to cater for the Muslim community. So they are trying to be friends with halal. Their original stance is that we are selling alcohol, this is our, probably our main source of income. And okay, we're going to try and cater for that Muslim community. At this point, I'm just going to take a pause and go to what our respected Imam had 
tried to drill into us last night of coming into the Jumu'ah and I'm going to ask my dear brothers that are all sitting in the courtyard if we can inshallah come into the masjid. The talk is happening here. Let's not be engaged in our other talks outside and not because it's me speaking but rather it's me just trying to share the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the teachings of our deen. So I make this announcement and I'm going to try and make it as much as I can because it's unfortunate but we have to try and be a kindergarten teacher sometimes up here that we have to continuously repeat please come inside please come inside so haram friendly that owner has become a try to become friends with halal when we go to that restaurant and we indulge in that food where we have been catered for you are actually saying that you know what okay this food is halal and I am okay and I am friends and I am content and I am fine with the fact that the table next to me there'll be a gentleman or there'll be a lady that will be consuming wine that is what you're doing you might not say it out loud and you can fool yourself into thinking that you know what in my heart I know I'm, I'm despising that but let me just enjoy the scrumptious steak right now sometimes when we speak about halal friendly haram friendly and what have you then it doesn't hit home you know we hear the message we go home and then come after Ramadan, the weekend after Ramadan, we're already frequenting that, that, those particular restaurants. So let's maybe start, start to take them by name. Some of these restaurants within our own suburb go by, go by the name of Tang, the Big Mouth, and others. And you know, we flock to these restaurants and we give it the excuse that we're eating sushi, that we're eating something that there's absolutely no doubt you know, I was reading some of the reviews. I don't know if our brothers are going to have a chuckle at if it will honestly just bring a tear to your eye. So someone asked regarding one of these restaurants, that is it halal? And the first answer that comes is, yes, the, the owner Nick confirmed it is. And the steaks are great. A Muslim person replied. The owner Nick confirmed that it's halal. So Nick is our reliable source of information mashallah how we pale in comparison how we pale in comparison to the words of Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, Abi Talib when he dishes out a lavish spread for his army and he sits down on one in one corner and he takes out a little bag that has been sealed and he opens that bag and he takes out few dry pieces of bread and he starts to eat the dry pieces of bread and the question comes in, Oh, Amirul Mu'mineen, why are you eating the dry pieces of bread? There's a lavish spread in front of us. As for this bread, I know this bread very well. I know the, 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 the family tree. I know the lineage of this bread. I know with what water on which land this bread was irrigated before it was grown. I know exactly how and where the this bread was was baked. I know the well, the water that was used to help knead this bread. How we pale in comparison will take the word of the owner Nick of that restaurant, and this is Sayyidina Ali radiallahu and the Amirul Mu'mineen at the time. So let us not fool ourselves. You know, one of the restaurants that I mentioned as well, I just came across an article that the owner of that restaurant had just launched his very own new, uh, I don't know what you call it, type of wine. 
He launched it in his restaurant, the very same restaurant that our Muslims are flocking to, to go and eat the sushi. He is boasting to the world that he has just launched this new type and this new flavor, the new blend, however it, uh, whatever terms are used regarding it. And that's the place that we are going to. What are we short? What are, what are we running short of in our country, respected brothers and sisters? How can we present ourselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Okay, you want to give me a technicality. That you know what? I know definitely I went behind the scenes. I seen in the kitchen that they separate this and they separate that. And they're presenting it to you completely pure, 100%. I seen the, the certification of the, 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 the abattoirs and the butcheries that they're getting the meat from. So you'll give me that technicality. I ask you one question. You think we're going to earn the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter Jannah on a technicality? You think it works like that? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the person who stays away from shubuhat, the person who stays away, he doesn't go close to the edge of the cliff. He remains cautious and he stays away from it. That is the person that will achieve true success. Okay, you give me one technicality, I'll give you ten. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu reports that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cursed ten people who have some involvement with intoxicants with wine. Once again, I make the announcement, respected brothers in the courtyard, please come into the masjid. There is ample space in the masjid to not sit there, to not engage in your own talk. Come into the masjid and listen to this. is the last Jumu'ah of Ramadan. Perhaps our Iman is at a certain level where we don't know if it will be like that after Ramadan, but the hope is there. Come into the masjid and listen to the talks of deen. Ten people have been or have earned the curse of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam due to their involvement in khamr, in wine. The one who squeezes it. For whom it is squeezed. The one who drinks it. The one who delivers it. The one to whom it is being delivered. The one who pours it. The one who sells it. The one who uses the income from selling it. The one who purchases it. And the one for whom it is purchased. Ten people. Okay, I'm not directly involved in it. But think for a moment. That has your contribution to that establishment that is involved in the selling and the pouring and the drinking of the wine. Has your contribution to that establishment not assisted in all, in all of the ten categories of people. Or are we going to fool ourselves and say, no, you know what, my thousand rand that I spend, it goes into a separate bank account also. So just like how the utensils are separated in the back, you know, this owner here, he Muslims, he's going to take my thousand rand, he's going to put it in a separate bank account where all the purchases are made there. And he won't use it at all in the running of his establishment. Are we going to then go to that level of a scrutiny and technicality? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa abundantly remember the destroyer of pleasures. The Sahaba asked, O Nabi of Allah, what's the destroyer of, of pleasures? And he said, Al-Maut. Al-Maut. That one, whether it's your son, your brother, your father, your grandfather, your uncle, your neighbor, your musalli that stood next to you in the masjid, the imam of your locality, to throw sand over us. They're going to throw sand over us. The narration mentions after 40 steps, the explanation is given that after the duration of 40 steps is taken. Because even if that person's son were to sleep by his father's cover 
for the period of 40 days, that question is going to come after the duration of 40 steps have passed. Man Rabbuk. Who was your point of worship? Where was your focus? And these questions, Rasulullah has given us the imtihan beforehand. He's given us the question paper beforehand. And the hikmah of giving the question paper before and it's not so that you can learn and swat the answers of Man Rabbuk Allah, Ma Islam, Man Adar Rajul, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's not so that you can swat the answers of and okay, now I'll be sharp when I go into my grave. It's about leading your life in such a way that even if you didn't hear the questions in, your, in this life, automatically those answers will flow from your tongue. And there'll be no person to assist at that time. It will be you, yourself, and you alone. The last two phases after the last phase that now a person reaches a point in life where it's about vying with each other with how much of property, how much of wealth, what my bank account looks like, what your bank account looks like, and well, awlad. So you can see the community, they'll say, Baji, how many grandchildren? 15 grandchildren, 20 grandchildren, and they'll vie with each other. So that's the nature of life. Now let's ponder on the parable Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives after that. That these are the five phases of life. It's like a rain that's going to fall. That rain falls and the lush vegetation and the crops that grow, it amazes the farmers. It amazes the farmers. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word kuffar. So we know kuffar to mean disbelievers. Kuffar, another word or the first term of it is, or it can be used literally for a farmer. But there are scholars that say that here kuffar means kuffar, the disbelievers. That the disbelievers are amazed by the lush green nature of the world, of the materialism of the world. And then, thumma yahij. It starts to wither. Then you'll see it turning a yellowish color, becoming dry. Then it becomes good as That it holds no weight. That it doesn't matter. A person will argue that, okay, but as believers, then are we not allowed to, you know, enjoy? Are we not allowed to see the lush vegetation in the earth and marvel at it? Mufti Shafi Saf explains that no, a believer can do so. But the difference is that the kafir, the disbeliever, he uses that as his aim and his goal and his focus. Comes back to what we spoke of earlier on. His focus. So that means that to have the straight and to have your entire focus centered around the materialism of this world, it is the trait of a kafir. It is the trait of a disbeliever. Of those who say that there is no Allah, of those who say that there is partners to Allah, who mock at the Quran, of those who jeer at our Nabi, of those who laugh at your brother's Sunnah beard, of those who terrorize your sister wearing hijab, who have slyly pulled the wool over our eyes to make it seem like they only want what's best for us, that we love Muslim people. We love it. Hey, it's very nice. Oh, dates, Ramadan. Oh, okay, this is something good. They slyly pull that wool over your eyes. These are the people that we associate with. We brag to the world that we know. We shared a meal with them at the haram friendly restaurant. Abundantly remember the destroyer of pleasures. We continue with the verse 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps us and encourages us now. Sabiqu ila maghfiratim min rabbikum. That you don't want to fall part of the group of kuffar. Then go, go quickly, hasten toward the forgiveness of your Rabb. Wajannatin and such a jannah, arduha ka ardis samai wal ard. Its breadth is as wide and as vast as the breadth of the skies and the earth put together. This has only been prepared for the believers. So it's not just about making a fat donation after having done all the wrong throughout the year. Come the month of Ramadan, we're feeling generous. So it's just making that fat donation to the masjid or to the Islamic organization and expecting the forgiveness and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fall into our laps. Yes, this very rewarding action of being charitable is a stepping stone to earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's not a simple get out of Jahannam free card. It's not a simple get out of Jahannam free card. I share with, with you the story of a man by the name of Abdullah ibn Jud'an. He was the cousin of the father of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Abu Quhafa. He was Abu Quhafa's cousin, making him the uncle of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu and the grand uncle of our mother Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha. In his early years, he was neither successful nor was he happy. In fact, growing up, he was hungry, he was poor, and soon he became embittered by life. For solace and perhaps sometimes even out of spite, he turned to evil and he committed many crimes. He was caught so often for his evil acts that he was considered by, uh, by most to be an obstinate criminal. This man is too stubborn, he's not going to listen to anyone's advices. People thought that he was evil incarnate and that there was no way that he could improve. Everyone hated him, including his fellow tribesmen, his family, his own father even disowned him and didn't like him. One day, as he was walking in the valleys of Makkah Mukarramah, regrettably thinking about his bitter existence, he noticed a small opening in a mountain. And perhaps there was an entrance to a cave. And he thought that, okay, maybe there'll be something harmful inside, so he'll stay away from it. It's maybe a venomous snake or whatever it is. But then afterwards, the curiosity got the better of him. And he started to approach. When he enters the cave, he sees the silhouette or he sees the, the shadow of a snake and the snake is in an upright position like it's ready to attack so at that point he like loses control and he falls back and he starts to move elder skelter and as he notices that he's noticing that the snake or the shadow of the snake is remaining still so that's when he thinks to himself that okay no maybe it's not a real snake it might be a, a statue of the snake of a snake and he continues further in and he finds the statue of the snake and it has two emeralds as its eyes. So he breaks the emeralds out and he continues to walk into the cave. When he comes into the cave, he notices that this cave was a graveyard for the kings of the Jurhum tribe. This cave was like a graveyard for the kings of the Jurhum tribe. And at the head of each grave, there was a gravestone that was made of gold and it detailed the history of that particular king who was buried underneath them. And surrounding the graves, there were treasures of gold, silver, pearls, precious stones, what have you. So Abdullah ibn Jura'an, he picked up a few of these small treasures. He made a sign outside the cave that, okay, this is the cave I must come to, so that he doesn't forget it again, and he went back to his people. And now he goes back to his people, subhanAllah, will think that, okay, no, maybe the man is going to now enjoy his treasures and he'll be happy with life. 
but he actually starts to become very generous. He, he starts to dish out all the treasures and the wealth to the people that he was living with. He was especially generous in gathering people at his home and serving them with good food. And as time went on, he even gained status in society until he became one of the leaders of the tribe of the Quraysh. And whenever he ran out of funds, he went back to his bank account, he went back to his vault, to his cave, and he'd take more. And his generosity extended even beyond the boundaries of Makkah Mukarramah. Once there were people uh, that were suffering in Asham, and they were going through very hard times. Abdullah ibn Jura'an had sent 200 camels that were laden with goods, loading each one of them with wheat, oil, and other provisions. Every night, someone stood on the Kaaba, and they would call out to the people that come to the full bowls of Ibn Jura'an. Come and enjoy from the full bowls of Ibn Jura'an. Yet in spite of all of this, our mother Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha, on one occasion she asks Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that, oh Nabi of Allah, what's the status of Ibn Jura'an? Tell me what's, he had passed on obviously by then, what's the current happenings with my grand uncle Ibn Jura'an? He was a good person, you know, in his life he became very generous, he... He hosted a lot of people, he was very hospitable, and he, you know, seen to the needs of the community at the time. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Aisha radiallahu anha that he is in the fire. But why is he in the fire? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, because through all of that generosity, not one day did he turn to Allah and say, Rabbi ghfirli khati'ati yawm ad-deen, that, oh my Rabb, forgive me for my evil actions that I have done on Qiyamah uh, uh, that I have done in this world that he didn't turn his focus to Allah it comes back to the focus respect to brothers and sisters so it's not just about writing the check during the month of Ramadan or throughout the year that is notable but let the focus be the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let the focus be to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we conclude with these few notes I started off the talk today asking a few questions that what were our points of reflection for the month of Ramadan? Have we been able to be, are we, were we able to be punctual on our five daily salawat? Were we reciting the Quran? Were we staying away from haram? And were we being an overall good Muslim during this month? And if the answer was yes, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it such that we can continue that throughout the year because the month of Ramadan, the month of Ramadan shows us what we are capable of. Yes, undoubtedly the shayateen are locked up, but as our respected imam would constantly say that the teacher of shaitan still lived within us during this whole month. That our egos were still there, our nafs was still there. If we were able to keep it under control during this month, Allah is showing us our potential as believers. That we can become Ramadani Muslims throughout the year, and the day that we die, it will be like the Eid moon comes to us. As one scholar had so profoundly put it before. We conclude on these notes. Keep the focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Use these closing moments of Ramadan to develop a plan. Like how our Imam would say that develop a plan in the starting of Ramadan so you don't let your Ramadan go to waste. Now that you've seen what you are capable of, develop some sort of a plan for after Ramadan as well. It's mentioned about the pious predecessors that it was like the entire year was Ramadan. Because when the month of Ramadan came, for six months after the month of Ramadan, they contemplated and reflected on their actions in Ramadan and contemplated on the passing of the Ramadan. After that six months would pass, for the next five months in preparation for the month of Ramadan, they would dedicate their life. So it was like their whole life was a Ramadan. Thirdly, let us try our best to keep 
the six fasts of Shawwal that will be coming up after the day of Eid. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that person who fasts the month of Ramadan, thereafter follows it with the six fasts of Shawwal, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will be as if this person had fasted for his entire lifetime. Or as if this person had fasted for the entire year. And lastly, whatever we have learned here today, whether it was the aspects of consuming halal and staying away from the haram friendly, I had given the reason for my, uh, for the reason why, why we've co- coined it to haram friendly and not halal friendly. We can try and access the recording of the talk or if even got a transcript of the notes. The idea is to pass on. The idea is to pass on whatever we have learned, not because I'm saying it. These are the words and the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Pass on whatever you have learned today to the next person. So that you, every time that they come, if a person isn't coming to the masjid, mashallah, we have anchors in our masjid in the form of our elderly that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has so beautifully adorned with their white and gray beards. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep his shadow of, uh, of mercy on you throughout your life and grant you barakah. But when we turn to our right and our left, where are our young brothers? Where are the youth? So I appeal to the anchors of the masjid that Every time when we come for salah after the month of Ramadan, then if you are living, we've got Kilani here. Many of us, we live in a block of flats or we're living within, uh, within, within the area and we're living in some sort of a complex and there are other houses there. Then let it be for every salah that we come out of our car that we aren't driving alone. That we come with that youngster, we go and knock on the door. Come my boy, let's go for salah. Let's go and perform our duhab. Let's go and perform our isha. Let us get it. Wallahi brothers, this is not a... Uh, it's, uh, one element is, is gush. One element is going to meet the brothers once a week. But those handful brothers, they get to meet every Muslim once. It may be as to meet a Muslim once in two or three years. What effect is that going to take? It will have maybe some effect. But the greater work will happen every day when we all take the initiative. It's just about bringing that person to the masjid, establishing that connection with the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine that every single time that person comes then into the masjid and every sajda that that person makes, a reward will be allotted to you as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us toward practicing upon that which only pleases him. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability and tawfiq of refraining from doing those actions that incur his wrath and anger. Amin ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا
محمد الرسول الله حي على الصلاة لا يبغيان فسبحان الذي كل يوم هو في شان ولا تحصى تعاجيبه ولو تعاهد الثقلان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له شهادة تجل الغياهب عن الجنان ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله سيد ولد عدنان الذي نسخ ملته سائر الأديان صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هبت الرياح في البوادي والعمران وعلى آله مفاتيح النصرة إذا مش الرعريان أما بعد فيا معشر الخلان إن الله زين الشهور بشهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان وزينه بليلة القدر التي هي خير من ألف شهر بلا كتمان ألا إنه كارخ عن قريب من الزمان وعسى أن في مهامه الفراق والهجران الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان فالرزية كل الرزية لمن أصابه وعلى رقبته أوزار العصيان وأظله وهو يتمرغ على ترب البغي والعدوان الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان والفوز كل الفوز لمن سبق في مضمار الإحسان فتوشح بحلي خيرات حسان وتزين بوشاح الجود والامتنان الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان 
وما للعيون أن تسكب وللقلوب أن تخشع وقد جد البين لشهر رمضان وهو شهر صوم نهاره جنة من النيران وقيام ليله رحمة وغفران الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان شهر يجزي بصيامه الملك الديان وتصفد فيه المردة من الجن والشيطان الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان شهر إذا جاء هبت ريح من تحت عرش الرحمن فتصفق حلق المصاريع وأوراق أشجار الجنان فتبرز الحور العينان فيقلن يا حنان اجعل لنا من عبادك أزواجا تقر بهم العينان الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان شهر للصائم فيه فرحتان فرحة عند فطره وفرحة عند لقاء الرحمن ولله عتقاء في كل يوم منه من النيران الوداع الوداع يا شهر رمضان ألا فودعوا شهركم هذا بالاستغفار عن الذنوب والعينان تدمعان والتبتل إلى الله في كل آن فإنه كضيف طارق أو حبيب يفترق عن صب حيران روي في الخبر عن سيد الإنس والجان أنه قال كل عمل ابن آدم يضاعف الحسنة بعشر أمثالها إلى سبعمائة ضعف قال الله تعالى إلا الصوم فإنه لي وأنا أجزي به يدع شهوته وطعامه من أجلي أو كما قال صدق رسول الله عباد الله جعلنا الله تعالى وإياكم ممن دخل الريان وجنبنا وإياكم مصارع أهل الطغيان إن أحسن كلام يجول به اللسان كلام الله العزيز المنان أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان الحمد لله الذي تقدست ذاته الأحدية عن الجهات وتنزهت صفاته الأزلية عن تطرق التغيرات فسبحانه من حميد محمود في كل أحيان وأوقات وكريم يداه مبسوطتان ينفق كيف يشاء في الأرض والسماوات ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له شهادة أدخرها ليوم تتضاعف فيه الحسرات ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدًا عبده ورسوله صاحب الآيات البينات سمي الشمائل رفيع الدرجات صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه النجوم الهدات ما قرعت أسماع بأصوات أما بعد فيا معشر المسلمين والمسلمات لازم التقوى فإنها ملاك الطاعات وكونوا عباد الله مخلصين له العبادات ولا تنهمكوا في نعيم الدنيا فإنها فانية هالكة الذات وعليكم موالاة الصلاة والسلام على سيد الكائنات فقال الله تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو في قبره حي البخيل من ذكرت عنده فلم يصل عليه اللهم صل على محمد شفيع المؤمنين والمؤمنات وعلى آله وصحبه الذين شتتوا شمل الكفرة العتات لا سيما على صديق غاره ورفيقه العنيق أمير المؤمنين سيدنا أبي بكر الصديق 
وعلى هادم أساس الكفر والرأي المصاب أمير المؤمنين سيدنا أبي حفص عمر بن الخطاب وعلى كامل الحياء وجامع القرآن أمير المؤمنين سيدنا عثمان بن عفان وعلى الأشجع العالم ببدائع المعاني وروائع المطالب أمير المؤمنين سيدنا علي بن أبي طالب وعلى الإمامين الهمامين الأزهرين أبي محمد الحسن وأبي عبد الله الحسين وعلى عميه المكرمين بين الناس أبي عمارة حمزة وأبي الفضل العباس وعلى بقية العشرة المبشرة الذين بايعوا نبيك تحت الشجرة طلحة الفياض والحواري الزبير وسعد الهدى وسعيد الخير وعبد الرحمن الزكي الشاكر وأبي عبيدة الزاهد الزاهر وعلى سائر الصحابة والتابعين رضوان الله تعالى عليهم أجمعين إلى يوم الدين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر إخواننا المسلمين والمستضعفين في كل مكان يا رب العالمين اللهم طهر المسجد الأقصى من اليهود الغاصبين اللهم عجل بنصر المسلمين يا قوي يا عزيز ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروني أذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون قوموا لله قانتين أيها المصلين الكرام Once again, let us gaps are filled when we are completing our sufuf, as the completion of the sufuf in the rows is part of the completion of our salah. Let us ensure that the masjid is filled. All brothers that are in the courtyard, kindly make your way to the front of the masjid. Jazakumullahu khairan. Allahu Akbar. الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين آك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا ضالين يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم واخشوا يوما لا يجزي والد عن ولده ولا مولود هو جاز عن والده شيئا إن وعد الله حق فلا تغرنكم الحياة الدنيا ولا يغرنكم بالله الغرور إن وينزل الغيث ويعلم ما في الأرحام وما تدري نفس ماذا تكسب غدا 
وما تدري نفس بأي أرض تموت إن الله عليم خبير الله الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين وأما من خاف مقام ربه ونهى النفس عن الهوى فإن الجنة هي المأوى يسألونك عن الست أيان مرساها فيما أنت من ذكراها إلى ربك منتهاها إنما أنت منذر من يخشاها كأنهم يوم يرونها لم يلبثوا إلا عشية أو ضحاها الله
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا مقطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى ربنا تقبل منا صيامنا وقيامنا وركوعنا وسجودنا وتلاوتنا وجميع أعمالنا يا رب العالمين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم إنك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا يا كريم وصلى الله على النبي الأمي وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين